Bambi by Philips Sultan. Chapter 16. A couple of days later, with nothing to worry about, they made their way together through the thicket of oaks and lay on the other side of the meadow. We're about to go across the meadow. There, where the leaf lofty oak tree stood, they would be back to their usual paths. The bushes ahead of them come lighter. They stopped and peered out. There by the oak, there's something weird moving. Who could that be? Wondered, whispered Bambi. I expect it's Runa or Colos. Crap. Foot Femine. Bambi doubted this. How do, they wouldn't dare come near at me anymore. Bambi looked around more carefully. No, he decided, that isn't Colos or Rando. That's a stranger. But they agreed, astonished and very curious. They're right. A stranger. I see you're that too now. Odd. They watched. He seems very cursed, asked Verlaine. Stupid, said Foot Bambi. He's really stupid. He's behaving like a little child. If it, there weren't any danger at all, let's go over there, suggested Fernlane. So you're too curious. All right then, Bambi answered. Let's go. I want to get a closer look at this lad. We made a few steps, but then Fernlane hesitated. But what if it's he wants to fight you? He's strong. Bambi lowered his head on one side and disabled the look. Look how small his crown is. Why should I be fine of that? He's big and fat, but strong? I don't think so. Just come with me. He went. Across the meadow, the other deer was busy biting at grass. They did not notice them, so they came, right, came quite a long way out to the meadow. Onto the meadow, he immediately ran out to meet them. He made joyful, playful jumps. They were, again, seemed to be very childlike. Baron Flame were puzzled, waited for him. Now he was just a few steps away, like him. Then he stood still. After a little while, he asked, Don't you recognise me? Bambi lowered his head, ready for combat. Do you know us? He replied. Stranger interrupted him, but Bambi called, full of astonishment, trusting. Bambi had become hesitant. Then he heard his name being used, and now he sounded his voice tugged. Some different kind of memory is part, but he made no delay. Jumped forward to meet the stranger. Gobo! She exclaimed. That was, and then the, and she was silent. She stood there without a word, without moving. She had lost her breath completely. Fair line, said Gobo gently. Fair line, sister. Recognize me. Went to her and kissed her on the lit mouth. Suddenly her tears began to roll down, flow down his cheeks. Fair line cried too. She was unable to speak. But Gobo! Gabby began. His voice quivered. He was very excited. He was deeply touched, astonished. Your measure, Gobo. Aren't you dead? Gobo laughed. You can see, can't you? I think it's enough, easy enough to see I'm not dead. But that time in the snow, Bambi persisted. That time, Gobo lowered his head badly. That time it was him who saved me. And then, where have you been all this time? Asked Feline now in astonishment. Gobo answered with him. We have been with him all this time. Can you silent? Looked at Feline and Bambi. Greatly enjoyed the sight of their helpless astonishment. Then he added, yes, my friends. I have had many experiences. More than all you put together here in this forest of yours. Said a little boastful. We'd not notice. They were too taken up with the enormity of their surprise. Tell us about them, exclaimed Fairline. And they would control yourself. Well, said Gobo complacently. I'll tell you about them all one day, all day long. Wouldn't you have told you any, and wouldn't have told you anything, everything. Bambi insisted, go on then, tell us. Go went over to Fairline and became serious. 
Love is still alive? He asked heavily and quietly. Yes, Feline cheerfully declared. She's alive. I haven't seen her for a long time, though. I wanted to go and see her straight away, said Gubbo. Are you coming with me? And off they went. All along the way, they were silent. Bambi Feline could feel they were impatient, yearning to his mother. That's why neither of them said anything. Gobo strayed hurried forward and said nothing. They did help nothing to stop him. Except that now and then, he, when he blindly ran through a place with a path cross, always running straight ahead, or when in sudden haste he rushed into another direction, who quietly called for him. To him this way, Bambi would whisper, or Farlane would say, No, it goes round here now. A couple of times he'd go across the broad clearings, he noticed that Gobo never stopped at the edge of the trees, never glanced around to see if it's safe before he went out into the open. He would simply run out, no caution at all. Bamfine looked at each other over in amazement. Whatever it happened, they said nothing hesitantly followed by Gobo. They had to wonder about they had to wonder about in this way, searching and going up and down for a long time. Gobo suddenly recognized the barks. He was his childhood. He looked at them in wonder. It did not occur to him that Bambi and Ferline had led him, led him to them. He looked round to the, them and declared, Why do you think of that? that? Look how good I was at finding my way here. They said nothing. They merely once more looked at each other. Suddenly afterwards they came to a small chamber of foliage. Here, said Ferline, and he slipped into it. Gobo followed her, and they stopped. It was a chamber where they both had been born, where they lived as little children with their mother. Gobo and Ferline looked closely to each other's eyes. They said not one a word. Fernand kissed her brother gently on his lips. He, then they hurried on. They probably spent another hour going up and down. The sun shone more and more brightly. The twigs and forest became more and more quiet. It's time to lie down and rest, Gobo thought. Did he not feel tired? He hurried forward, breathed heavily because of his impatient excitement. Looked around without any plan. He flinched and a weasel rushed out from the long grass, passed over him. He nearly stepped on the pleasant pheasants who were pressed close down to the ground. When they flew up in front of him, with loud flapping the wing, they told him if off if he was very alarmed. Bambi was amazed at how unfamiliar he seemed. Everything and how he proceeded, as if blind. Gobo stopped and turned to the two of them. We cannot find her, her. he exclaimed in bewilderment. Finally smoothed him. We will do soon, he said with emotion. She said in motion. Not long now, Gobo, she looked at him. He once again wearing that disheartened expression, as he knew so well. Shall we call for her? She said with a grin. Should we start calling again, like we used to do when we were still children? Bambi continued walking. Just a few steps, we caught a glimpse of Aunt Edna. He had always, he'd already laid down the rest, lay without moving, shadow of a hazel bush every near. Alas, he said to himself. A moment Gobo fell on a ride. All three of them stood beside each other, looked over Edna. She had quietly raised her head and looked sleepily at them. Gobo made a few hesitant steps forward, gently called Mother, as if snatched up by a thunderbolt. Edna, no longer lying down, but her feet and staying as cemented into the position, Gobo quickly jumped up to her. Mother, he began again. He wanted to speak, but could not utter a word. His mother looked closely into his eyes. He began to stand with such their stiffness. He was shaking so much the wave after wave ran over her back and shoulders. She asked no questions. She did not ask for explanation, not for any account of what had 
had happened. Slowly she kissed Kobo on his lips, kissed his little cheeks, his neck, without cease. She washed him with her kisses, just as he'd done when he'd been given birth to him. Bambi and Feline had left. Chapter 17. They stood together in the middle of the thicket in a small clearing. Gobble told them about where he'd been. Their friend, the hare, sat there too, raised his ears in amazement. He listened tensely and let them sink again again his awe of what he heard. I raised them again immediately after. And by a squatted the lowest twig of a young birch tree, listened to an astonishment. Jay sat uneasily nearby an ash tree, somebody screeching in his amazement. A pair of pheasants. They knew they found their way there with their wives and children. They craned their necks in wonderment as they listened, drew them back in, turned their heads here and there, and made speechless. The squirrel bounded in and moved in the way, showed a very, he was very excited. He soon slipped down the ground, ran up one or another tree, then leant back on the erected tail and showed his white breast. He genuinely wanted to interrupt Gobo, wanted to say something, but each time... All those around him ordered him to be quiet. He told them how he laid helpless in the snow, waiting for death. It was the dogs who found me, he said. Those dogs are terrifying. They're absolutely the most terrifying things in the whole wide world. Their throats are full of blood. Their voices are full of anger and mercy. He looked around at everyone, then went on. But, well, I've just played with them. And, well, if I were, we were all equal. He was very proud of himself. Didn't need to be scared of them of any more because now we're good friends. Still, though, when they start to get angry, they're thumping my head. My heart gets quick, stiff. They don't always mean it in such a nasty way. As I just said, I'm no friend now. There's so much power in their voices. It's horrible. You begin silent. Come on, then, Fairlane, I insisted. Go over and look to her. Well, back, well, back then, they would have torn me, limp them in. But then he came along. Gobo paused, the others could scarcely breathe. Yes, said Gobo. And he came along, he called the dogs off. They immediately became very quiet. He called them again and lay motionless on the ground in front of him. And he lifted me up, and screamed, but he stroked me. He held me gently, pressed onto, my, onto his chest. He didn't hurt me, and he carried me off. Fellow interrupted. What do you mean, carried you? Gobo began to explain in detail with self, self-importance. Very easy, interjected Bambi. Think of a squirrel family. What does he, what does he, does when he's holding that and carrying it away? Now Squirrel wanted a chance to speak at last, a cousin of mine, he began, with his um, but the others immediately insisted, be quiet, be quiet, let go, carry on speaking. Squirrel had lay silent, he was coward and bewildered, pressed his full arms against his white breast, turned to look back by his speech again, just to him. I said, a cousin of mine, however, I simply turned his back on him. Gilbert told they move marvellous things. It's cold outside, and storm is howling, but indoors with him, no wind, and it's warm as the summer. Hach! Squeaks this, Jay. Outside the rain is lashing down from the sky. There's everything, so that everything is, is in the water, but indoors with him, there's not a drop of rain. They, they stay dry. The pheasants twitch their necks up high and turn their heads. When everyone outside was deep in snow, I was inside nice and warm. I was quite hot. He gave me hay and nut to eat, chestnuts, potatoes, turnips, everything I could have, which for hay? They all asked in one voice, astonished and credulous excitement. Fresh, sweet hay, Gobbo repeated calmly, looked triumphantly round at them. The squirrel tried to squeeze in his voice. 
A cousin of mine, just be quiet, the others ordered. If I noticed Gobi vigorously, where did he get the hay from? All those other things in the winter. He grows it, said answered Gobo. When he wants, he grows it. When he wants it, and when he wants it, it's there for him. But then continued asking questions. Aren't you afraid, Gobo? The time you were with him, Gobo thought himself very clever and grinned. My dear Ferline, I wasn't afraid anymore. Not anymore. Of all I knew, he didn't want to do anything to hurt me. Why should I have been afraid? Well, you think he's very nasty, but he's not very nasty. Not nasty. When he likes anybody, when every when everyone does something for him, he's nice, lovely, lovely, and nice. And no one in the whole world, world could be as nice as he is. Suddenly, it's Gobo speaking. He way the elder merged silently for the bushes. Gobo did not notice him. Continued speaking. All the others have been have seen the elder and held their breath in awe of him. The elder stood. Without moving, and watched Gobo with deep, suspicious, serious eyes. Gobo said, it wasn't just him. It was his children. They loved me too. His wife and everyone. He stroked me, gave me food and played with me. He broke off. He had seen the elder. Everyone bring come silent. Then the elder, in his calm and frothy neck, asked, what's the stripe on your neck? Everyone looked at him and became aware the first time the dark stripe made of compressed and eroded hair went round Gobo's neck. Gobo answered as elder certainly, that that's from a collar I wore. It's a collar, yes, and it's a great honour to wear this collar. It he become confused and stammered. All of a sudden the elder crept a sad and pissy look on Gobo for a long time. You poor thing, he said gently. He turned around and was gone. Silence had followed him from his disturbance. The squirrel started to chatter. You see, a cousin of mine was there. With him too. He called him and locked him in. Oh, a very long time. What took one day, my cousin? But no one's listening, squirrel. They well went away. Chapter 18. One day, Rene turned up again. She was already nearly grown up. A gobo disappeared, but she was almost never to be seen then. She held herself apart and went on her own solitary ways. She'd always had a slight build and looked quite young. But she was serious and quiet, and more gentle than anyone else. Now she had heard from the squirrel, from the jays, and the magpies, from the thrush, and the professor. A girl would come back home and had a wonderful experiences. When she appeared and wanted to see him, Gobo's mother was very proud and happy about the visit. Most of all, Gobo's mother was very proud of how happy she seemed. She was glad that Typhoeus was talking about her son. She wallowed in his fame. He wanted everyone to acknowledge that Gobo was the cleverest, most capable, and the best. What do you think, Marina? She called. What do you think of Gobo? She did not wait for an answer, but just continued. Can you still remember that time when Miss Nettay said he wouldn't amount to much because he shivered in a bit of cold? And can you remember how she prophesied and never get much joy from him? Gobo certainly gave you enough to worry about, Marina answered. That's all then past, Gobo's mother declared. I very surprised that everyone... Should could still be thinking those things, these things. Oh, I feel so sorry about poor Minister Lady. Such a shame that she's no longer alive. Can't see what my gobo has made him for himself. Yes, poor Mister Natalie said Miguelly gently. It's a pity about her. Gobo enjoyed hearing his mother's praise like this. It pleased him. He stood there and felt it as good as as if standing in warm sunshine. Then he heard their praises. His mother said to Minnie. Even the old prince came to see Gobo. He, he said it in a way that was 
secretive, a whisper, celebratory. You never let us, you never let us, any of us catch a glimpse of him. But when it was over, he came. Why didn't he call me? Why did he call me the poor thing? Said Gobo. I was Gobo, sounding very discontented. I'd like to know what was that supposed to mean. Do don't you worry about that? His mother reassured him. He's very old and a bit odd. Now, funny said, said. But now, funny said, what was on his mind all this time? It's been going around my head that what what he meant by that. You poor thing. I'm not poor. I'm not lucky. I'm very lucky. I see more. I have more experience than anyone else. I know more about the world, about life, than anyone else here in this forest. What do you think, Marini? Yes, she said. There's certainly no one who can say that. For that day on, Marini and Gobo were always together. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.